Hello and welcome to episode Logan Brown of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. I'm a bit uh, under the weather today, so apologies if, if the audio comes out a bit funky. Um, but anyway, with me today is newly hired writer for the Ottawa Athletic. It's James Gordon. James, how's it going? Good. How are you? Not too bad. I'm, uh, I'm happy that you could uh, join the two-timers club on the Cosper Pointcast. Yeah. And for the first time on, on the podcast, that I can actually talk about some real hockey that's going on so far. Right. Good to be back. Yeah. So uh, should we get into it? Let's do it. So uh, first of all, it, it's impossible to not start out with Eric Carlson. Um, what have you seen from Carlson in the first three games? And what do you make of the first five games that Ottawa had to play without Carlson? Um, I, well, obviously, I think it was impressive that they were able to, you know, pick up all the points that they were um, with him out of the lineup. Um, um, I'm not sure the exact numbers last year when he got hurt. Um, I'm kind of blanking on what they did. I feel like they I, he missed, what, five or six games towards the end of last yeah, year? Yeah, something like that. And, and I'm, I'm not sure if they won any of those, maybe one. Um, but, you know, for them to come out this year and and uh, and uh, be able to, you know, skate and compete with the teams they did, it wasn't, you know, pushover teams either. I mean, they get a point from Washington. They yeah. you know, completely light up Calgary and Edmonton, who were, um, I think, on almost everybody's playoff lists for this year. Um, you know, and, and to just not only kind of stay afloat, and I think that's what everybody would have been happy with if they came out of it kind of, 500 at worst um or at best you know i think everybody would have been fine with that but you know for them to actually uh, be able to to make some progress with him out was great and, and you know they could have really found themselves behind the eight ball if they you know dropped five games or something to start yeah. the season and <laughs> people are people are already panicking um but so i mean they they uh you know they did a great job and uh, now that he's back they're um, you know, I, I I didn't find he looked awesome his first game or two, but you know he's obviously really picking it up. And um, you know, I mean, you just see every game what he brings now. I, a piece I wrote um, yesterday on the Senators for the Athletic, and you know, kind of dealing with the Senators are boring narrative. Um, you know, I I chose a goal clip there where like you know there's a giveaway right in front of their net and the rebound goes to Carlson and he just launches a long bomb to center ice <laughs> like a rainbow shot that gets knocked down and it's in the other team's net before you know it so I mean that's the kind of um, smarts and speed and creativity that he brings and if I'm not mistaken it's six points and he's got already this year so um, yep. yeah I mean it's it's he is um, you know most people would say he's their most important player. He's either A or 1A with Craig Anderson, given, you know, the Senators uh, also benefit from some really great goaltending that keeps them in every game, and, and that was part of why they were able to weather the storm without him. But, um, you know, obviously he's a super important player for them. And, um, you know, I guess the hope is that with his foot and everything that it holds up throughout the whole season. I, I don't know. I mean, he's had so much work on his his – um, legs and feet already and and uh, I guess one thing to keep an eye on is is uh, whether or not that health holds for the year um, hopefully it does and uh, and the senators get to benefit from a kind of perennial Norris trophy play right I think the funny thing um, with Carlson being out is they realistically could have gone five and0 without him they went three0 and two 
but they blew that game against Washington. They were winning four to two, ended up losing in a shootout, uh, and then they lost in a shootout against the Red Wings as well. Um, they probably should have won that game. So that would have been incredible if they'd gone five and zero. Oh. And uh, I, I remember I, I tweeted um, the night of the Oilers game. I said, "Watch, they're, they're going to win somehow. They're going to win against the Oilers and then lose like the next two or three once Carlson backs." once Carlson comes back just because sports are stupid and that's exactly what happened um they did win against the Leafs to um stop that losing streak from going any further but I just found that I don't know pretty strange well the other benefit too excuse me is that you know they got to to get a look at Thomas Shabbat in the NHL after I think a lot of people were pretty pissed that he was sent down but um and and I thought he played really well at West and and showed kind of you know what they expect from him down the road at least on the offensive side I think it made a big difference for him that they were playing him on his proper side towards the end there um, and you saw that kind of creativity and stuff when he was you know working his way up to power play one by the end of his time here so I mean that's just another uh, sort of um, happy side benefit of, of um, Carlson being out as you saw the team could um, you know, rally around each other and, and come out of that fine and also, um, you know, get a look at at uh, one of their top prospects and, and see that he was able to handle it, at least in the early going. So Definitely. Um, speaking of Shabbat, um, one of the more peculiar things with Guy Boucher is sort of this reluctance to use his rookies and, and give them too much ice time. Um, do you think how he's handled Shabbat, uh, Logan Brown, and Alex Fermentin, like, do you think he's done a good job um, with their ice time, or do you want to see him using them more? Well, I mean, it's a tough question, right? Because it's it's hard to argue with the success that they've had so far, and they've done that by limiting those minutes for those players. I mean, yeah. I mean, for Fermentin, should he have been here? probably not um you know he had a really good camp and i think his reward for that was to stick around a little bit before they sent him back and they you know he got to sign his contract and you know have his day or whatever um but i i don't know that a lot of us really felt that he would be around all that long you know probably best case scenario for him was getting in you know a handful of games um and then get sent back to junior um for Logan Brown, I mean, again, it's it's a question for me of where are you going to play him up in the lineup? I mean, you could say, okay, well, he played five minutes this game. Maybe he should have played eight minutes. But, I mean, is that really moving the needle that much? Um, I'm not sure that it is. And and uh, um, But, you know, with the injuries that they have, he might have to play some more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know what? He's he's probably a useful player on the penalty kill and stuff because he's he's a tall guy with long reach and um, you know okay speed. And he's uh, you know he might find a little niche here with uh, with some um, opportunities opening up with the injuries. I mean, bef- but again, for me, before it's kind of like well, they need a a body and a roster player and. Um, he served that purpose. I, I don't know how much they were missing by not moving him, you know, to the second line, third line. Um, and, and again, they were winning games. So it's tough to kind of tinker that much with it when you're actually having success playing the guys that you're playing. Um, on Shabbat, uh, I get, 
I get why they sent him down initially out of camp because I don't think that he improved throughout camp. I think he got worse, and um, you know they they probably um, felt that he could use some time in the minors to work on his defensive game and maybe wrap his head around their systems. Which again, like I'm always harping on this, but I feel like if you want a, a young you know, prospect defenseman to succeed in the league, you also have to think about putting them in a position to succeed. And I'm not sure that they did that early on just because they were kind of trying to, you know, jam a square peg into a circle hole by, by putting them on the right side to try and be Carlton light. Um, But, you know, like him coming up and, and carrying himself the way that he did, I think it, kind of bodes well for him the next time he gets an opportunity i'm sure there will be some this season because it's a long year and people get hurt in the nhl um so and and, you know i think that um with him anyway you don't get it with every prospect but he's a top prospect where if you do well you know you get more and more opportunities and i feel that he started getting those opportunities towards the end of that western trip so um i mean again you know, it's to me, it's a little nitpicky to to get too upset about um, you know rookie ice time on that's like at best going to be a difference of you know three minutes a game or whatever. Right, and I I definitely think that um, at least in terms of we well, mentioned Fermentin first, and obviously I'm like everybody expected him to get sent back, and that's that's totally fine. Even Logan Brown and Shabbat, they're in different circumstances just because. Um, Shabbat will be going to Belleville, and he is in Belleville, um, whereas if Brown gets sent down, he's going back to the OHL. So I I don't even think Brown will ultimately stay with the team the entire year. Um, I mean, even if you just look at his production last year in the OHL, it wasn't great. So I kind of would like him to go back to the OHL for one year. Um, but it is a tad strange to see um, I think last game he had a bit more ice time, but before that he was kind of getting really low minutes. So it was a bit strange to, you know, see him in the lineup, but he's not getting too much of a chance. Yeah. <clears throat> well, if, I think part of that was probably circumstance, right? Because I think in an ideal world, they would have had Colin White starting in that yes, center definitely. spot. And he would have been, you know, maybe Logan Brown is in the same position that Formentin is. And, and you know, they yeah. give him a game and say, adios, you know, good luck in junior this year. Um, so... You know, I think they probably, <laughs> like, t- to start the year, wouldn't have wanted to play him even as much as they have, but they were kind of forced to out of necessity. And now yeah, that that's White, fair. Like, he's, now that White looks like he's, a, you know, ready to come back or whatever, um, he'll, uh, you know, assuming he comes back and, and plays well, he'll probably be the guy who, you know, fills the forward spots as needed, you know, going forward. And then they have some more options with Brown. Um so yeah, I mean, to me, that was more of a, a situational thing than any kind of you know what's best for Logan Brown's development. And to be honest, like it's ten, fifteen games, it's not gonna it's not gonna change too much for him. Yeah, and I think if anything, um, the fact that they had to keep those guys up for a few games just shows they don't have a ton of depth up front, which is a bit scary. Obviously, I mean, they have more injuries than you'd like, um, but still, it's. It's not too great uh, when you have to call it Max McCormick. Um, but anyway, besides besides fortunately, those, I'd say fortunately for them, I'd say fortunately for them at least, um, you know, they're losing. Like you don't want to lose Bobby Ryan and Zach Smith, but 
if you're going to lose players, you probably want them to be wingers and not your yes. centers, defensemen or goalie. So yep. if you're going to have injury problems, if it's on the wings, then that's sort of the least of your concerns in the, the injury. Very true. Area. <laughs> um, so a- anyway, besides the three rookies we were talking about and Carlson, what are your overall first impressions from the, uh, from this team in the first eight games? Well, they're, they're definitely playing their game, which, you know, again, it came up this week with Austin Matthews calling them boring or whatever, but, <laughs> um, you know, they, they're, they try to be patient. They try and wait teams out and capitalize on mistakes, which, um, you know, they did. Obviously there were some, uh, some examples from the Toronto game, most notably the Mark Stone breakaway on a just completely ridiculous Nikita Zaitsev pass attempt up the middle of the ice to you know, the best takeaway player in the league. But, um, you know, that's, that's what they do and they, uh, they don't get, uh, they don't get impatient. I think it's notable too, that, you know, against a team like Toronto, you don't want to be taking penalties and giving them an opportunity to, to get away from your system that you want to play them five on five, which Toronto struggled with. Um, you know, Ottawa's, um, I think set, uh, I wrote this yesterday, <laughs> second in, uh, in power play opportunity, uh, power play opportunities and, yeah. and 20 penalty minutes. So they're on the right side there. Um, you know, Guy Boucher has mentioned it a couple times actually in the early going here where he feels like they're way ahead of where they were at this time last year, um, just in terms of, of playing that system and, and blocking shots. And obviously that's a big part of their game too. Um, and uh, I, I think that's, you know, that's probably fair for because when he started last year, um, they did struggle um, even more with possession than um, I think they did this year. And, and, you know, I don't know if you want to get into the whole boring Corsi versus Fenwick thing here, but... <laughs> no, that's, uh, that was going to be my next question, actually. <laughs> well, so, I mean, last year they seemed to improve from a possession standpoint throughout the year, and... Uh, and this year, they're they're a bad Corsi team, obviously, but a, a, a fairly decent Benwick team. And um, you know, I think that it's uh, I think it's moving in the right direction for them, and they certainly think so. Yeah, and I think um, three they've only played three games with Carlson too, right? So I think we kind of have to wait, maybe I don't know, maybe another month right. to see and how exactly, this actually shakes out. I mean, eight games is a pretty small sample. Yeah. Um, exactly. yeah. I definitely would like to see the possession numbers, uh, especially the Corsi go up. I'm not expecting it to, though. Um, I guess, you know, maybe they have sort of cracked this code and maybe um, blocking all these shots uh, can lead to success. And e- even if they're getting outshot just a bit every night, maybe it is sustainable with this, this you know, system or whatever. Um, and honestly, with the way that, uh, the rest of the Atlantic division is playing right now. I I don't know. I'm pretty confident, actually, with um, their playoff prospects. I mean, we're talking about this in the end of October already. But, you know, Montreal has been terrible. Buffalo has been terrible. Boston's okay. Detroit should be terrible. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm feeling actually pretty good about that right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's fair. You're right about the teams that you mentioned, and um, you would think that Carey Price is going to get it together at some point here soon, and that would 
would turn things around. But the tough thing of it is, is, you know, you go through 10, 15, get close to 20 games of struggling off the start of the season and you you can basically be out of it um, before. Really. So um, I think if that holds for a while and, and um, you know, Boston doesn't make a huge push or um, I think Tampa's pretty in pretty good shape at the top, but um, yeah, I mean, the division is really wide open after kind of the, the Ottawa, Toronto, um, Tampa Bay thing. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, just to go back to your possession thing from before, I mean, you make a good point that they don't have a lot of, a lot of games yet with Eric Carlson and, and he's going to get better and better as he gets back to his old self too. So, um, you know, the, the biggest problem I think that, or the biggest weakness I think that Ottawa has is they don't have outside of Carlson and Weidman defensemen who are particularly good with the puck. And that's when they get <coughs> cough, cough, Shabbat. and Shabbat, <laughs> <not here. laughs> but, uh, um, you know, that that's a huge thing for them having Carlson to just have somebody who can get the puck out of their zone and, yes. you know, through the neutral zone safely. And, um, you know, I think that'll obviously, you know, come to bear on the rest of, of how the rest of the year shakes out. No, definitely. Um, okay, so really quick here, let's try to finish off these things. I know you got to go soon. Um, so one story that we keep hearing about um, is the Kyle Turris and his contract situation. What do you think ultimately happens um, with that, and what do you think they should do? I'm not quite sure what's ultimately going to happen. Um, you know, we haven't heard about it in a little while because I think it was going pretty poorly at the start. Um, you know, you can kind of with with Pierre Dorian f- figure out where he is um, on certain things. You know, when he talked about the Craig Anderson situation, like you just got the sense from not only what he was saying, but just kind of the body language and addressing the situation. Like, okay, you know, this this one's going to get done fairly easily, and you never. Yeah ever really get that impression from him when he's talking about the tourist deal so um i'm not quite sure you know where they're going to go on that but you know obviously they're going to have to make a decision on it at some point because um you don't want him walking for for nothing um uh, what should they do i mean if they can get him signed to somewhere you know in low sixes for a decent term and I know that that seems to be the sticking point right now where he wants a couple extra years then you know it makes sense to hold on to basically your your number one center those guys are not easy to reply and you know as much as I think people let Lakeland White as a product we're not 100% of you know what he is and what his ceiling is here yet he would obviously be a um you know, a candidate to be kind of a replacement guy for a tourist if he did turn out to be, you know, the equivalent kind of player. Um, and then you've got Derek Broussard, who's going to be due a, another contract, I believe, year after, not this year, but the, after next year. So, yep. um, you know, they if they don't keep him around, then they could find themselves in a situation where they have no centers in a couple of years or, or, you know, very young centers without a, a, a huge track record. So, um, you know... I think he's done a, a really good job for the organization and uh, if they can find a way to make it work for everybody, then certainly they should work towards that. Yeah. It's just a tough situation. I mean, like you said, it, it is so hard to find those guys and you know, if they just have Broussard up front, um, then you're putting Colin White in a really tough, um, really tough spot. 
Uh, I wouldn't want to give him more and than. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say. You know, you mentioned there how those guys are hard to find. I mean, just look down the highway to Montreal. Like yeah. they have effectively nobody who they could <laughs> find to play center. I guess Drew is starting to, to you know, deliver a bit there. But you know, for for a long time they've had a hard time getting a, a top tier kind of elite center, and it's it's hurt them. So yeah, I mean, you try to hold on to those guys when you have them. Which I think is why people were so upset about the Jason Spencer trade back in the day, because you know you basically gave up a one C for nothing. Right, and I think with that, I mean, I could see the rationale because he didn't want to pay him, and he was, you know, he was injury prone and stuff. But man, that return was just awful. So that's why I, I kind of do want them. Well, no, I do want them to resign Tourists just because of fears that you know they're going to be getting like a third line player and like a first round pick or something, which isn't nearly going to be um, the same value as Turris. So I, I do hope they resign him, um, but I really hope it's like five years or something and not like eight. Yeah, that's that's the issue. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm sure that they will land somewhere in between those those year numbers. Um, so. Yeah, that's obviously still to be worked out between them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think I've, that about covers everything for today. I know you know you got to run. So uh, quickly, is there anything you'd like to let the listeners know about your coverage for uh, the athletic before you go? Um. Sure. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we'd love it if you'd check it out. I'm pretty sure. Um. Obviously, the athletic is a subscription. Um. Sports journalism website but um i think if you download the app you get a free trial and you can check out what we're doing there um and you can follow me on twitter at james underscore j underscore gordon and uh, i think that's it all right well sweet thanks for joining me james yeah as a reminder you can find the cosper pointcast on itunes soundcloud and stitcher and you can rate and review in those places as well you can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS and read my articles at Silver7Sends. If there's anything you'd like to see in the future for the podcast, let me know online. I'm always open for suggestions. That's all for me. Adios.